I thought I was enjoying life. Alcohol was a problem for me. Drugs was a problem for me. Gambling was a problem for me. I had become a prisoner to these things. So I'm over four years clean. I'm doing great. I feel great. I'm living my best life. I think it's important people know that it's not doom and gloom. It's not like you failed by ending up but your life begins. Please consider subscribing for more content like this. Now, onto the podcast. Hello, welcome back to the podcast. Uh, today's guest is Gav Cohen. Um, do you want to explain what you're on here to talk about? Um, so I'm on to talk about addiction and recovery. Well, that's, I guess, why, <laughs> why you've uh, asked, <laughs> me is, to, yeah. asked me to come on here. Um, I'd say more, more to focus on the recovery aspect side of things rather than the addiction side of things, obviously getting into recovery is you've got to have gone through the journey of addiction to come into recovery um, yeah that's, that is why I'm here and just to give a, uh, more information about it you spoke at Supper Club which is local in Manchester uh, with the youth yeah. and after that you went on you spoke for 15 minutes I believe it was about that yeah and then, and then like a minute later two people sent me a text saying you need to get this guy on so that's actually incredible I feel uh, it's honoured the right word, but I'm not, you know, I just I just share, I've only got my story, or my um, journey, shall I say, in, in life, and in what I've been through, so that's all I, I shared at the supper club, um, and I think, like I was saying before, I'm not, I'm not going to be going to, I've got a young family, so the details, there will be details and things that I've don't go into or I might not be comfortable sharing on, on here because it goes out to a, a public um, forum. So, yeah. so what was the journey? Um, my journey, I guess, well, my journey started when I came into recovery, if I'm honest with you, you know, prior to that, um, I guess, I thought, I thought I was enjoying life, I guess is what I and I believed and um, when I when I came into recovery and for me my journey was through I went into a treatment centre um, I realised that I, I I was an addict and you know I didn't to say, not to say I didn't know what an addict was but my preset my idea of an addict was someone who was homeless living on a bench, you know, just kind of bag in the hand, you know, a brown yeah. bag with a bottle inside. And that that's, um, I guess, what I thought an addict was. So me um, coming into a treatment centre and being told that I suffer with addiction was an eye-opener for me, you know, and it was something that I then, my journey started of, understanding what an addict is um, and yeah that's when I entered into recovery. Yeah, can I ask you, you don't have to answer anything we ask, but can I ask you what sort of things you were addicted to and what sort of habits you you had during your addiction? Um, so the, the look, alcohol was a problem for me, um, drugs was a problem for me. Um, gambling was a problem for me. I think, I think what I found was that I was very much all or nothing. 
I still am, in a sense, very much all or nothing. So, um, I would drink, but always, I just enjoyed getting drunk. What I thought, you know, and uh, it just—it was never just one drink for me. It was never one of anything for me. So for me, it was just you know more and more and more. And I guess that—that's what I. I learned and discovered um, when I came into recovery what I suffered with and that you know when I put one in it triggers something and this is for all addicts um, it triggers something inside me that uh, they call it an allergy you know and a phenomenon of craving so it triggers something where I need more my body wants more which normal people or people who don't suffer with addiction don't experience that. Um, yeah, so that's, that's what my, I guess what I was, was, yeah. It sounded like when you went into recovery you explored and understood a whole new self. Yeah, well before, before I came into recovery it was, you know, my drinking was just drinking. And my drug taking was just drug taking, and and I, I also want to just just make mention that that obviously a big part of me doing this today and and talking to you guys and you know when you reached out I, I was thinking and it was a big you know should I should I not should I definitely was you know a big part of my recovery is helping others and I don't want and you've obviously got an audience of people who are listening and someone might come across it or listen to it and for me it's very much people need to know that there is a way out and they're not stuck and it's not like I think when you you if you suffer with addiction and you're drinking or you, you're using drugs or you're gambling you can think a lot of the time that you're stuck you, you you cross that line where you sort of you, you feel a bit trapped that oh there's not a way out of this and I guess I'm here to, to let people know there is a way out and there is an answer you know there's a solution to the problem you don't have to stay living your life in that um, thing yeah. so when you first went into rehab Mm-hmm. Um, what was your mindset before going in? Did someone tell you that you have to go in or did you figure out for yourself that you were addicted and you went in on your own? How did you work out that you were addicted? I figured I had a problem that I, I did. So I, I knew I had a problem and it was getting out of hand. That, so I, I was aware that my drinking and my, my substance use was was, I, like I said before, I was trapped and I was sort of, I had become a prisoner to these things. So everything else in my life was taking back seat to that. You know, that was like at the forefront of every day. And then second to that was, you know, whether it was work or my family life or other things um, working second to that and when I was trying not to do it and trying to stop you know I could maybe stop for a little bit and a little bit for, for me it might have been a day or two days or not it, I was at that stage where it wasn't a long period but then I'd always give in 
And again, that's also part of the, the addict is when they do stop, something from somewhere, an obsession will come into the addict's mind and tell them it'd be a good idea just to have one, one glass, just have one shot or you know, have one beer. Or, and that's, that's what starts the cycle again. Um, and then obviously with the drinking and you know everything else, it there's a lot of consequences, and the chaos comes into your life, and there's consequences which it, they make you aware you've got a problem. You know the consequences tell you well there's something not right here because that's happening, and you say so well just stop, but then you can't just stop. And that's sort of where, you know, and then, then a part of me wanted out, it did. So I, I, I was, you know, relieved, I guess, or, or wanted to go to here, but then a part of me was scared because it's, it's all you know and it's all you become used to. So there was a big fear of, of going to rehab. Um, and there was also a fear of, you know, growing up in the community and, and what people are going to say and people are going to think and people are going to this and people are going to that. Um, but it was the best thing I ever did. I didn't know it before. But it was a relief. And obviously you've got family pressure on people who um, can can sort of nudge you into getting the help you need or they, they other people will see it before I saw it and other people did see it before I saw it. Uh, but ultimately, I had to make that decision of going to get help. How how did you find the recovery journey of get? How how did it go? From how did you see? Let's say there was a day or two where you said, "Okay, I'm not. I'm going to stop." So you managed for a day or two. So that's how addicted you were. So how did you stop? Like, how did it slowly die down, or did no, you just stop altogether, or just how was the journey? No. So so how it stops is it typically so so if you're if you're drinking, let's say. So uh, someone who's drinking, I get to a point where you pass out. You know you can't drink anymore, so you pass out. And when you're uh, in that state, you you'll wake up at some point. Now it's then it's when you wake up and you swear to yourself, "Right, I'm not drinking today." That's when the cycle stops. Or if someone who's using drugs, you know, they yeah, they can't get hold of anymore, or they run out of money to buy more. So what do they teach so, you in? Uh, so, so something will stop. Something will have to get in the way for an addict to stop. Then when they are stopped, they can tell us, "Right, I'm going to stop." But then it's at some point, and you know, it might be a day, it might be two days. For some people, it might be a week, or it might be two weeks, or some people are going to stop for a few months. But then it's when they start again, when they put that one inside them, if it triggers it. They trigger that allergy again, and they're back down the rabbit hole, and back for days and days, going at it again. Um, yeah. So how did how do they teach you in recovery? How did how do they teach you to stop? <laughs> so good question. <laughs> good question. They they don't teach you to stop. It's about staying stopped, and that's the there's a program, and you know there's a twelve step program. Um, yeah. Which that's much more. That, it's that's complex, I guess, which uh, we can go into. But it's that's something where you use well. 
trying to think where to start with the, the steps and the programme and the work, but in a nutshell, it's not necessarily a rehab thing, this. this is, so there is 12-step meetings. So you've got like Alcoholics Anonymous and you've got Narcotics Anonymous and you've got Gamblers Anonymous. You've got several and many, I, I think if I'm not mistaken, there's over 200. If I'm not mistaken, don't hold me to that. But I think there's over 200 different anonymous uh, fellowships, um, which are 12-step based. So in the fellowships, so you'll go to the meetings and that's what I, I did then and it's what I still do today, do these meetings. Um, and you get what's called a sponsor. So a sponsor is someone that's been through the 12-step program um, and they will take you through the program and take you through the, the 12 steps, which then ultimately, the end of the steps, so step 10, 11, 12, are maintenance steps. So just to, I guess, to break it down, steps one, two, and three, really is about finding God. So it's all... Is it very religious? It's not, and they say it in the meetings, they say it every meeting, it's not a religious program, it's a spiritual program, and there's a lot of, of uh, mention and talk um, that the... Um, they don't want to scare people off, but I, I've been raised and brought up and I'm a, a, a religious Jew and so you, there's a lot of familiarity and there's a lot in common with religion and what we know and so step one, two, three, you, you're basically you're finding God and you're handing your will and your life over to God, that's what, what the first three steps are effectively. Step, step one is admitting the problem, step two and three is getting God in your life and then every morning handing it over that someone should basically be in charge of your thoughts and your actions. Um, then you've got four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, which are basically about taking a look at yourself. Um, and, you know, four and five is dealing with resentments and your fears and your harms. Now, six and seven is looking at your defects of character um, and eight and nine is you know looking at the people you've harmed and then making amends to those people and then 10 11 12 are maintenance steps so 10 11 is your maintenance you know of where you, you're living your life and by the program and a big part of it is prayer and meditation um, and then 12 is helping the addict who still suffers um, which is a massive part of recovery, is, is helping other people who are suffering with what you suffer with. So at what point do you stop? Is it at 10, 11, 12, or is it what, the th after the third step? You never stop. It's an ongoing... Oh, they never tell you this is the right time to stop, it's up to you to make the decision? When you say stop, what uh, do you... When do they ask to take... You don't, you, you don't stop the program. No, not the program. And when do you stop personally? Like, stop taking drugs or alcohol? Oh, no, you stop at the very beginning. Oh, right, the beginning so before when you even start. When you get to your first meeting, it's the, the program is abstinence-based. So you're not going to have a sponsor or someone taking you through the steps unless you're completely abstinent. That's from any mind or 
How often do they do the meetings once a week? Um, the meeting every night. Oh, because I was just wondering if it's once a week. It's, I don't think people who just started the programme would be able to complete it. No, no, no. So you don't. The the work isn't done in the meetings. So what the meetings are? The meetings are just a group of people um, who are a group of addicts, and you've got, like I said, you've got different meetings, and every in Salford you've got meetings every single night of the week, a number of meetings, whether that's, you know, Alcoholics Anonymous, Narcotics Anonymous, Cocaine Anonymous, Gamblers Anonymous, you know, all, all the different fellowships have meetings every night of the week in and around, many of them, um, and during the day, some of them. Um, but you, you go to the meeting in they're an hour, typically sometimes an hour and a half, and you'll sit there and share your experience, your strength, and your hope. So I will go, I'm, I'm over four years clean from drinking oh, drugs, gambling, nothing. Um, I think I've run, of course. <laughs> thank no. you. Oh, it's really good. So, thank oh. you. Thank yeah. you very much. So I will go and share, I guess, a bit about my using and then my journey into recovery and then what my life is like today. And there'll be someone there who's just come in, who's wanting to get clean. The only requirement to go to a meeting is you need a desire to want to stop. So someone will be there, could be a day clean or an hour clean or still using, um, but they've got that desire. And the idea is that they should get some hope and not just from me, when I say ah, that's what I would share, but they should get some hope that they can be like me or like the next person or the next person or the next person. And then for me, it's to get a reminder of that's what life is like if I go back there. Um, so that's the meetings. So they, they happen on a daily basis. And then what will happen is I'll when I was going through the work with my sponsor, once a week I'd go to his house and we'd sit down for an hour, two hours and go through the steps and the, the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, which is where the steps go. Okay, uh, this question's slightly different, but you spoke about Joe Rogan before. Okay. And Joe Rogan talks a lot about using drugs recreationally so that it helps you in your life. Do you reckon there is a way of using drugs so it helps you in life rather than you're addicted to it? Or do you think it's the sort of thing that if you do drugs and you kind of get drawn into them? Mm, I think there are, if you're not an addict, so if it, and let me tell you, the, the addicts are, I believe it's just a gene, it's, you're born with it. So you're either born with it or you're not born with it. I believe there are some situations where people go through trauma, serious trauma, and that can, I think, can trigger them to want to escape. But you know, I, I had no reason whatsoever to be an addict, so called. You know, I had a, a perfect upbringing, you know, from a loving home, loving parents, everything I could have wanted. Um, so I think if you're born with it, with that. The where you're an addict and, and you will, if you take drugs, you're going to go down the rabbit hole, so-called, then it's not a wise idea, but you don't know until you get there. Now, 
I think there are many, many people who are not addicts who I'm sure drugs are quite beneficial. And drink is good. You know, drink is great for social situations. It, it helps people who want to go out and have a good time. But for me, that wasn't my story. You know, I, I wasn't, if I'd have that one drink, it was never the one. And I'd have another one and then another one and then I'd end up drunk and then I'd end up in a, a, a world of bother or a mess really. So for people like me, it's not wise to try and use drugs to, to for any good reason, good purpose. Um, can it be done? Yes. Like people like Joe Rogan supposedly <laughs> say that that it can be and it's there are benefits to it. And like I said, I, I'm sure for some there are benefits. But for if you're like me, there aren't any benefits to it. Why did you feel, find that you fell into you fell prone to more addictions more than others? Because you said you're brought up in a, in a loving home, um, and that you just is there any particular reason why you're so prone to all addictions or just no reason? Like there's no reason I can pinpoint, or apart from that, I have just always from a child been very much all or nothing it's just my per- it's, it's literally it's, like my, it's my personality and then as as you go through life and you know when when you're a teenager or you know you make bar mix and then you start drinking and it, for me the party just never stopped and it not just never stopped it just got more and more and more whereas you know that so I don't yeah there wasn't anything to so, so you're saying the addiction's still there, but it's just shifted, or because if you've got that, I'll always be an addict, always. But I treat it today. So it's like if someone who's got diabetes will always have diabetes, but they take their insulin. I'll always be an addict, but as long as I'm connected with my program, I'm I'm working the steps and I'm doing my meetings, and I I speak with other addicts, and that that's really on a, on a daily basis. My my schedule, you know, I'll pray and meditate. I'll, I'll send messages out to other people in recovery. So I'm liaising with other people in recovery and I might speak to a couple during the day and I do my meetings. And I work, I've got sponsors who I take through the, the steps and I've still got my sponsor who's there also. So as long as I think I remain doing everything I'm doing, I can't see why I'd ever pick up a drink or a drink. Again. It's just a bit of a personal question. You can, uh, if it's not right, then don't worry. Um, do you feel that your addiction, how, or how did your addiction harm other people around you, or your loved ones, or your family, friends? It's scary. I mean, if I take my parents, you know, they were worried sick. They, they had a, a and again, when I, when I was in it or, or using, you don't see it. Well, I didn't see it at the time, but you know, it, it's only afterwards and you realize how the worry, and, and me, I, I'm a parent myself, and the, the worry of, of, I guess what I was putting them through, which you would as a parent, um, knowing that your you child is 
a mess really. I could use that word a mess but he can't stop and he's reluctant to get help and you know it's, it's going to be very difficult and hard I'm sure for any parent to to watch or to not watch just to be a bystander because you can't nothing anyone can do but they had it themselves did it ever harm anything else like friend or I mean of course or just more of a major part of your life aside from humans um, or relationships like education or work or harms everything 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 it, it, it interferes with every aspect of your life so you know and but when when you're in it you don't see it a big part of, I guess, recovery, um, or saying coming into recovery, is you then see, when you stop it all, you then see the chaos, the craziness, the damage you were causing, the people you were hurting. You see it all then. At hindsight, it's a beautiful thing. But when you're in it, you don't see it. it. It's you're too. I say you're blocked up, or you're wrapped up in self, or, or there's something wrong where you, you don't. And again, I can't pinpoint how it all works, any of it. But and that's why I think it's just a gene. You're born with it, but you, you're so caught up in the. Um, I guess when you're in it, it's, everything seems so normal. And when things are going wrong, or you blame everyone else, it's never my. It was never my fault. I couldn't have been the problem. It's a big part of it's your ego. Yeah, you create a big ego, or you walk around like you're not the problem. Everyone else is the problem, and and then you stop. You get clean, and then you start seeing, and that's the whole, the 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 beauty of the steps, and is. And, and what they say is you fill that void because you take away your so-called clutch and then you fill it with spirituality which is the program, the steps and that's when you start seeing you, like me as a, an actual what was getting to me, what was bothering me what I was doing to people the people you were harming, the people you were hurting and you follow you follow the steps in the order of him and you follow the process and it's, uh, it's really is, it's great, magical how did, how did you feel hitting rock bottom knowing that everything was I presume when you hit rock bottom and you realise okay I need to get help um, there was the ego that was like you said probably gone at that point or, or maybe just damaged and then you realise okay maybe they, you started to see some issues that you caused and started admitting some which is why you went for help how was it at that point it's a relief Hitting you up bottom is a, a relief. It was like a, a finally, like, oh, I'm going to get the help I need. But again, it's tough. It's tough because you, you become, you learn to, ha I guess, back yourself or have your own back. You don't want to, you don't want to admit you're the problem. You don't want to admit you have a problem. Um, so you learn how to you learn how to live in this sort of way and how to be and how to get by and how to how to to live being an an addict 
in addiction you know an active you know someone who's using and you sort of learn how to to navigate your way although other people everyone else could see in my own head I, I believed I was okay and I believed my own head and I believed the nonsense that was going on up there um, and then I guess when you hit the rock bottom which you don't know you're hitting rock bottom that's that is the 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 funny thing is like they say you've got to allow the addict to hit rock bottom before they'll but you don't know when that rock bottom is everyone's rock bottom is different some people have you know physical rock bottom people have mental rock bottom emotional rock bottom I guess it's a, a moment or for me it's a moment where you're allowed or you're given You get given something where you can be honest with yourself, or you can see you can see the truth. So you can see what you're doing to everyone around you, and you can see the pain and harm and the what what's happening as a result of my behaviour. And when you see it, that's when you then. I guess that was my rock bottom. I, I was uh, allowed and out to see that, and then it was, it was amazing. Saying right, I need help. It's a relief, and then you got the help. And then you went to apologise to everyone after you did that twelve step. Well, I did it at step. Eleven, I guess. Eight, no, eight, nine. Oh. So, okay. so the making amends is step eight and nine. Yeah, all the steps where you make amends and. I had to follow the process, so you don't go and apologise to everyone and make amends straight away. There's like, you, you go through it, and I did it with my sponsor, and I followed that process, and that's when you... I was going to your parents, or whoever you went to, um, and said, oh, this is all that's happening, it's my fault, I understand that. It's nice. You, when, when you're at that, that stage or that place in your recovery where you're you've been through one, two, three, four, five, and, and you're up to step nine, where you get to go to these people, you're in a place where you want to go to those people. You're in a place where um, it, it's sort of like, it's a relief at that stage to be able to go to these people and apologize for what you've done. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, it seems like there's like a really nice, tight, loop almost of because you said that you still keep up with your trainer and you take on trainees is that is that sponsor, kind of yeah. sponsored sorry. yeah is that kind of like what the programs are kind of building into that there's like a that you keep up with him and they take on them and then they get better and take on another group is that how it works or um yeah, but very much so that's it that is that's why it's so Smart, it's very clever. It does you it know, sounds clever. When the steps were put together, so step 12, so when you've gone through the whole program, step 12 is helping the addict who still suffers, which means at step 12 you then take on someone new around and you take them through the program, and then like you say, that person takes someone else through the program, um, and my sponsor will always be my sponsor. You know, I don't meet up with them once a week anymore and go through the, the work, but he'll always be there and you know he's always there to guide me or to help me or to advise me or you know whatever it is or just I'm, I'm 
I've got a really good relationship with him today where just to be as a friend or as a mentor, whatever way or, or I need to reach out to him for he's, he's there and he's available and, and likewise I'm there for my sponsors. Um, yeah. what, what would you say is that one major con- or several major uh, misconceptions about recovery or the addiction process that everyone else has got totally wrong? which completely pushes people off or just makes uh, it look really negative in the community? I think there's a big stigma, massive stigma for addiction um, because people will have the idea or the, the understanding, like I did, which is that an addict is a, a homeless man or someone begging or I think people view or, or look at that as being the addict so they'll judge someone who's um, they'll judge an addict um, and then there's also a big a, a, a lot around the meetings and recovery and the 12 step program and you know people um, they don't want to it's not the people so the, it's the parents of these people or, or the, I guess, I don't know, it's not really the older generation, but it's the ones that are, they're not open-minded to, to wanting their children to be a part of Alcoholics Anonymous. You know, so, I mean, I, I've spoken to a, a quite a lot of people over the years who who have they've reached out to me because their child or their this is, is struggling or, you know, drinking too much or taking drugs or... And the second I'll mention, um, I'll take him to a meeting. Um, and that's what I do. And that's all, if someone does reach out to me, um, you know, and, and on the back of this podcast you're doing, if there's anyone out there who who feels like they're struggling or suffering with addiction or, or with drugs or with drinking or with gambling, they, they can reach out to me. And I, what I would do is take them to a meeting. I'll take anyone to a meeting, but when I mention it to these parents of these kids, or not necessarily kids or, or young adults or whatever they are, the parents, they switch off at that stage because they don't want they say they they start saying how their child doesn't need to go to alcohol so the, are these kind of are the parents in denial they're kind of hoping that the kid isn't addicted they're just this is just or it might be for social or might be for social convention they they what they say or what they will tell me is I can't say whether anyone's an alcoholic or a drug addict or a gambler. I, I can't say that. I can't diagnose anyone with any. It's for the person to decide for themselves, for the person to read the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous and from there see if it's, they find the similarity and it's for them to, to so-called diagnose themselves as being an addict. But when these parents tell me what their kids are going through, or what their kids' behaviour is like, they display most of the symptoms of 
what addicts, because most addicts are very similar in many, many ways. Um, but then the second I try and tell them about the solution, they switch off. It's like, it, there's a denial. They, I guess they don't, they don't want their kids to be a part of Alcoholics Anonymous or to be a part of working this 12-step program. That then, in their heads or what they tell me is the problem's not, it's not really the drugs. If we can get them new friends, that will fix the problem. Or if they didn't smoke as much weed, that will fix the problem. And they'll start pointing the finger at certain things their child's doing in their lives and say, well, if we fix that, that will fix that. Rather than when, or, or if we just, you know, got him a job so he wasn't stealing, that would, and I sort of say, well, no, if you just let him get the help, if you, if he goes to the meetings and sorts that out, then his friends will change. He'll stop smoking weed. He'll stop stealing. All, all these behaviours will disappear if he, you allow him to go into recovery and, and go to these meetings and get the help he needs. It, there's a stigma. It's, it's, it's people look down on it. People look down on addicts. And, you know, I, I'm very open with my recovery because I, I don't... I'm doing great. I feel great. I'm living my best life. And I, I think it's important people know that it's not doom and gloom. It's not like you failed by ending up in recovery. Your life begins. If you're like me, if you have a problem, your life begins when you you learn how to live life without drink, without drugs, without all those things that I was dependent on for so many years. I imagine it's so scary taking that journey of saying, like, although I'm addicted to those, these aren't my comfort level. This is where I'm most comfortable. This is what reassures me when I take these take these drugs or alcohol and to say, okay, this is just all going to go away. Yeah, that's right. It's a process. So, so that's why you get to that stage when you hit your rock bottom, like we discussed before. Yeah. So when you've hit that rock bottom, you then, you decide, well, I've got to try something else. And that's when you, you give the recovery a shot. You give the meetings a shot. You give the program a shot. You, you work it. And then, you know, the drink and drugs aren't going anywhere. They'll always be there. So it's just about trying something and you can, the big thing, you know, in, in recovery, it's very much about the day. So, so from, you know, if you went to a meeting today or tomorrow, you, you'll hear it many, many times just for today or, or, you know, because the past is a past. And for many addicts, you try and leave the past in the past, you know, and the future has not happened. It's not happened. So we've only got today, and every addict will just focus on the day at hand. So what you've got to do is get through that day without picking up a drink or a drug. Put your head on the pillow clean, and then you've done one day. And it's about doing the same thing the baby next step. day. Baby steps. It's just about doing it one day at a time, and that, that's how I work my recovery. I do today what I did yesterday, and I know I'll be okay. And tomorrow I'll do what I did today, and I know I'll be okay. And it's about doing that. It's yeah. The people that end up back in a mess or a struggle is when they stop doing that. And that's it. And, and it's just one day at a time. And one day, one day, one day makes a week, which makes a month, which makes a year, which makes a few years. 
and that's how I, I built up my sobriety is just one day at a time. Yeah, I have a question. I'm really intrigued to hear your perspective on this, but should drugs be legalised? Should drugs be legalised? It's, it's not something I've ever thought. And not, in my opinion, um, no, I think, you know, I've seen what they've done to my life. No, I think there is an argument, though, that um, drugs are being used anyway. Do you think the... I mean, there's obviously the argument that um, drugs are being used anyway, but if you were to legalise it, then you could do stuff like tax it, you can make sure it's clean, you could give out... You can make sure people aren't buying too much quantity, you know, stuff like that. So there, there are many pros to legalising drugs, but do you think it's it will increase the amount of people using drugs and increase the problem? For someone like me, if drugs were legal, it would have um, been much easier for me to access. It would have, um, I think, taken me deeper and darker to a lot darker places. Um, because you sort of have the green light. If it's legal, then it's just no... And again, I'm talking from my perspective of this. I'm not saying from anyone else. Obviously, everyone's got their own opinion. Um, I think typically people that want drugs to be legalised are people that have a problem with drugs but are in denial about it, typically. I think if you're a general, normal person, like part of society, why would you want drugs legalised? For what? For what benefit? If you're able to get up in the morning, you're able to go to work, and you're able to be successful, and you're able to function, you've got no need to get off your head. If you're not able to do that, then you do have a need to get off your head. And I think it's those people who are, are shouting that drugs should be legalised. But again, I, I know it would be very dangerous for someone like me if drugs were legalised. Yeah, I mean, I've never done drugs, thank God. I mean, I don't know, whatever. But um, I, I, I did do a bit of research into legalising drugs, so I was going to have a debate on it. And the biggest thing I found was if it was legal, you could tax it and maybe build rehab centres or build better rehab centres or, you know, stuff like that, or put in systems to help addicts. So that was, what, the biggest... I'm very for putting in systems to help addicts. I think that should be something rather than rather than taking the addicts and, and locking them up and punishing them and I think it, it's got to be treated for what it is which is it's an illness it's, it's an illness like many other illnesses and the addict when they're in active addiction can't necessarily control they take I take responsibility for my behaviours but also, and not to blame the addiction for what I did, um, I, was, I wasn't right. I wasn't right. I wasn't the person I am today. I wasn't in the right headspace because I was being clouded by the drugs. So not to blame something else. Like I said, I, I take full responsibility, but you can't blame 
or I don't see it this way, where you can really blame the adult, which I, I, I'm all for, they should build more rehabs and they should put the money rather than locking them up, in, putting them into rehabs and trying to get them the help that they need. And I think a lot needs to be done in our in our community as well for it, because I think there's a, a massive problem um, where people are, young people are, are struggling and suffering. Um, and they don't, the help isn't there, it's not available, the right help isn't there and available. What, what would you say to someone that, that knows that their friend is struggling or, or, some, or a, a parent or a teacher? What do you say to them? How would you advise them to go alongside it? They need to put the... A, anyone who knows of someone struggling, so if it's a parent or a teacher or you know, a, a family member, then there's, there's meetings called Al-Anon, which are, they are, it's basically the sister fellowship of Alcoholics Anonymous. So those meetings are for family members of addicts. And it's a place where, a bit like an AA meeting where people who are all experiencing, whether it's a, a husband, a wife, a child, a, a brother, whoever it is, they've got someone who they've been affected by this person, they'll go, whether the person has stopped or not stopped, but they'll go to these meetings and they've got the support there of um, like my again, people who are going through the same the same thing they're going through, and it'll fill them with hope, and it they'll get an understanding of what's going on in the mind of an addict and what's happening, um, and what the parent or the teacher or the family member or friend should do with the addict is encourage and try and get the addict to go to a meeting if he can. And if they can't, then to speak to someone in recovery. So someone like myself, or there's other people around the community who are, are as well, um, quite open and happy for people to know they're in recovery, put the addict in touch with one of us so we can talk to them. Because it might be well, it might be, it will be, if they are an addict and, and I was to share with them my story, they'll get something from it. They'll, they'll relate, they'll understand, and they'll, there'll be an instant connection there. And that's what, <clears throat> I, that, I found it with many, many um, addicts who I've spoken to, and, and you know, they've been speaking to the, the Rabonim or the, different people or the psychiatrists or other people, they, their parents have sent them in and around to hear their or their friends. Um, and when I've spoken to them, when I've shared with them my story, which is very different, when I'm sharing with these people, it's very different to what I'm sharing here today. And I'll, I'll share with them, you know, stories of how I was and that person I was then to who I am today. And they they get a lot and they tell me that you know the, you're the first person I've spoken to Gav which I feel like gets me and I feel like understands what I'm going through and more times than not they come to a meeting with me some of them stay some of them don't so is it just that hope 
So you just give them the relatability. Yeah, yeah, hope, relatability, that sort of stuff. Well, they know when I talk. If I talk to someone who's who's going through what I've been through, and I share that, they know that I get them. They know that I understand. Yeah, they know I understand, and then they can see what I'm like today and how I'm not that person today, and they therefore say, "Well, how did you do it?" Basically, and then I can show them. So I can show them exactly what I've done, and I can take them to a meeting, and then it's for them. I, I can't save anyone. I can show anyone. This is what you need to do. This is what I did, shall I say, and this worked for me. And if it worked for me, no reason it can't work for you. Um, it was any particular terrible advice or terrible person like you mentioned people get sent to their rabbis or, or headmasters or, or someone that they or a psychiatrist or something that they think will be the best match to help them get out of that addiction do you find anything particular that you, you found that particularly annoying that was particularly terribly a terrible advice floating around from such people that should not be saying such a thing yeah when when people say to addicts just stop ridiculous yeah no but they don't know and the truth is there's a big lack of education there's the people the people in positions of of whether it's schools you know i would say everyone who works in a school with teenagers and kids should go to meetings you don't have to be an addict to go to a meeting there's many many open aa meetings they could go to alan no alanon is something if there's being um if they're suffering as a result of the addict you go to Al-Anon and and you'll get the identification there but i'm saying as purely to educate themselves the the rabbonim a bit like rabbi twersky um who went to and he's very open about it he went to thousands of aa meetings um but Anyone can go. So you've got open meetings where you can show up to the meeting. All the meetings are online, so you can see where they are. But if they went to the meetings, they'll then hear and they'll get an understanding of what addiction is and how it how it gets people and what how people behave. And they'll then be in a lot better place and position to help the person um, rather than turning around to them and saying, just stop. Or something of that sort, and uh, you know, it, it's probably yeah. I say, <laughs> I say the worst thing to say to them is just stop because they can't. Yeah. I just can't believe someone said that. <laughs> people don't understand. It is a big taboo topic. Like people just don't like talking about it, especially in schools. Like they just, it's like one of those topics where I just they stay away from. And we had like what one drug talk in school, like probably quite close to the beginning. You know, people need to be educated on what you know drugs are and what alcohol is even. I agree. I, I mean, alcohol is big of a problem. Yeah, just drugs. It, it's and weed as well. People, people just. It's people just have, weed. People have yeah. an idea that weed is just weed, but it's. 
yeah, what, what it's doing to people and yeah, it's not not good. As one of the finishing questions, what would you say to an addict who is listening to the podcast right now or someone that is going through some level of addiction? Would you what would you say to them? Would you inform them to look at themselves or someone that doesn't actually realise that they're not a rock bottom yet, but there's somewhere in the middle. Get to a meeting. That's what I tell them. And if they get to a meeting, if you have a problem, um, and like I said, you, you can go online and, and put in whether it's Alcoholics Anonymous or Narcotics Anonymous or Cocaine Anonymous or Gamblers Anonymous, just put that into Google. And first of all, there's helplines for all of these where you could call up and they'll tell you where the meetings are. But the meetings are, there's a meeting find you online. But I'll just tell anyone to go to a meeting. Cause if you but get even to, if someone that doesn't know the level of addiction, they're not a rock bottom yet. Just come and listen. As in, they, they might hear something there, they might identify, they might pick up on something. And you know what, some people, I've taken people to a meeting and they've done one meeting, they've heard what's going on and they felt it's not for them. And you know what? That's okay. I know they'll be back in a few years, but they're not ready yet to admit they've got a problem. And they, but then I've taken some people to a meeting who have been in a position like you're saying where they're unsure. You know, they might have gone and they keep, they hung around and they stayed around and they they're living mega lives today because. If you put it all down, if you're suffering, if you've got that problem and you put it all down, most of your problems go away. Literally, most of your problems. Most of them. Yeah. Well, life has problems, so you then get dealt with. You've got to live life, but as in the problems that were created, which is that when you're using, it creates a lot, a lot of problems for you, which you don't view as a problem, but most of them. But all of those problems go then yeah. But but then you're in a position where you can deal with life. So whatever life throws at you, the ups and the downs, you can deal with it and you're present. So when you were addicted or when people are addicted, do you not you're not able to uh, handle what life throws at you? Correct. Well you turn to the drugs. That's your escape. The drugs is the solution. So the drugs isn't the problem. The drugs is where can't do with that so you take the drugs and then you feel comfortable and able to deal with that not realizing that you probably you, you're not getting rid of the problem you're just escaping through the through the drugs and then an hour passes and you, the problem is yeah. still there you're like, oh, I've got to face it. you just you can't get yourself to face whatever it is and for everyone it's different that what they're trying to face and what they're trying to deal with. Yeah, but back, back to your question, you can never go on going to a meeting. No one can go on. Should I put, so just so everyone can hear, should I put you, I'll work out after, but I'll probably put some sort of way to contact you in the description, um, whether it's email, phone number, I'll work out after. I'd say if someone wants to reach out, they, you've got your details or, or you've got an email, yeah. if someone contacts you and asks for my, I, I'm happy for you to give my mobile number to anyone who would like to um, reach out to me or would like me to take them, well, not necessarily me, yeah. but would like me to put them in touch with someone or take them to a meeting or, um, like I said, you, you, 
the power of being in a room with like-minded people is is powerful. There's something, there's a power there which is, you, you can't get it any other place. So them being sat there, like I said, some people will get it, some people won't, some people, it's, it varies, but I, I don't know anyone, and I, I mean this, I don't know anyone, and I know, I can say thousands of people, I know hundreds and hundreds of people in recovery, and I don't know one who does the meetings, working the programme, who's clean and abstinent, um, who's not living their best lives, with stuff that's happened to them, so they've gone through hard times, whether it's divorce or losing businesses or losing, you know, losing family members, whatever it is, they've been through extremely hard times, but I, I do not know one of them who regrets what they're doing and regrets being clean and being in recovery and working the program. Like, I don't know one, but I know many, many people who are out there living miserable lives, wanting to stop and not ready and to... there is a way out there. Well, they're not ready to surrender, they're not ready to hold their hands up and say, I need help. But there is a way out. I'm proof. I am. Yeah. Living proof. As, uh, maybe as a last question, uh, should we ask the last question? Yeah, go on. So we usually ask, we ask last the uh, same last question to every guest. Mm -hmm. Why aren't you better? <coughs> Why aren't I better? Meaning? Why aren't you a better human being than you are currently? Well, I'm, I'm working on it. It's a, it's an, you know, it's ongoing process. If I, if the day ever came where I can't grow and do more, <coughs> be better, there's a problem. So I'm always trying to be a better person. Always improve. Always. Like, yeah, it's got a long, I hope a long, a long life ahead of me and, and I want to keep growing and keep being the best version of me, which as I grow and get better, there's more room to grow and get better. And, yeah. That's a great answer. Thank it's you. a great way to end. Yeah, thank you so much on. for coming on. You've Not got, a problem. You've been an amazing storyteller, as well as actually giving across information. So thank you so much. Not a problem. Thank Thanks. you. Thanks.